0: Hi and welcome back to Insights Podcast. I am really excited to to share with you my lovely friend Dan Collins. Hi Dan, how you doing? Hi Barry, thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Thanks very much for coming on to Insights, Dan. I suppose we should better introduce yourself for those people that don't know you. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, so uh, my name is Dan. Uh, I'm originally from Northern Ireland, but I've lived in Scotland uh, since 2005. Uh, I live in Edinburgh. Uh, I am a musician, uh, so I'm a singer songwriter. Um, I perform a lot of different sort of pubs and clubs, weddings and festivals, a little bit of busking. Um, Just anywhere I can make noise, I'll be there. Uh, i've in the last couple of years uh got back into acting i've started doing stand up comedy uh I do lots of different things i run a few different uh promotions uh one of my one of my favorite things I do is a an organization called the sad Song Club uh which is a, an open mic uh that meets every fortnight in Leith. Um, and it, it does exactly what it says on the tin. Um, note, most notably, uh, and important for today's podcast, is that uh, I am the creator and performer of a piece of theatre called Dune the Musical, uh, which I debuted uh,
0: earlier this year. So Dune the Musical, why now?
1: So I would love to say that I had the cunning <laughs> uh, to, to plan this to exploit the, the, the free publicity of the, the recent Hollywood adaptation but uh, it didn't happen like that uh, it all started a few years ago uh, my favourite band, uh, an American rock band called Tool released a new album and one of the tracks on the album um, was a French phrase so I typed it into Google to translate it and it translates to, as Litany Against Fear. Now, the first thing that comes up uh, in the Google search results is that the litany against fear is a mantra that is used by characters in the dune universe Now, i'd heard of dune before i've always been a science fiction fan uh one of my friends actually has all the dune books there are dozens of them um so i was aware of the franchise uh, but but never read it and i thought well if my favorite band like this then i will give it a shot and i was just you know spellbound so the the, the book inspires all kinds of uh <laughs> fanaticism um, and as an experience reading the book it is it can be transformative Um, along the way I uh, you know it was it all kind of started as a joke Uh, like all the best things I do in life um, I, I was sitting around one day and I came up with this idea that if you take the word dune and you add an exclamation mark to the end it becomes a musical you know it's like Oliver Oklahoma Dune. Um, And with that little quip, uh, that's where it started. That was the kind of the the first sort of kernel. Um, I I, I picked up a guitar and just started like playing around with it. And before I knew it, I'd started uh, writing a whole bunch of songs (laughs) for a musical that was, uh, yeah, well, we're we're not here talking
0: about. I suppose what's really interesting about Dune, there's so much to it. Um, and I've seen the movie as well. So, what challenges did you face when adapting this huge complex of a story of Dune to fit it into a small stage show? All
1: right, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, famously, Dune is a very heavy, a uh, very big. Well, I've got the book here. I'm just for I know the, the viewers at home won't be able to see it, but it's. <laughs> it's about, <Mama. laughs> yeah it, it's about 500 600 pages um and it's a very complex world like it's one of the things that the, the author uh, gets a lot of uh praise for is the the quality of his world building it's set 10,000 years in the future and in the opening chapters there's a very deliberate effort to confuse the reader like you're not supposed to understand what's going on and if you've seen the movies that's often the challenge of the movies is to try and make it Understandable, but you're not supposed to understand it. It's just not, you're actually supposed to just sort of accept it and go along with it. Um, so you've got this really big, big world, um, multiple planets, there are lots of different factions. Uh, political religious orders um there's implications of magic and mystery, mystique there's crazy technology that everyone has access to um there are plots and assassinations and there's all kinds of intrigue there's a there's a lot going on it's very very complex um where I kind of like one of the little clues that I had to, that was able to sort of help me condense uh the, the work into something more uh sort of bite sized um is at the start of every chapter of the book there is a quote from a book within the book again part of the world building is that uh, each chapter starts with this little quote from like another in-universe book that gives you a little bit of flavour as to what's coming up. And in chapter three, the chapter where my character is first introduced, there's a little clue. And the clue is that the character um, has gone on to write collections of songs for children, children's songs. So he's written songs that will be an accompaniment to children's education about what happens in the book. And the good thing about kids' music is that it's really good for exposition. Like you, you can tell all kinds of stories in a very simple, straightforward way, and that, and that's kind of where it started. The other thing I tend to say is that uh, music itself is a little bit magic. It's probably the closest thing that we have to real magic in the world in that when someone starts to play and when someone starts to sing, our brains go into a different gear. Um, We're able to warp people's perception of time, warp people's perception of emotion and importantly, give people a sense Like, again, this idea of the big world. How do we give you that big world? Well, I can give it to you in notes. I can use this strange instrument in front of me um, and using a very very, very unusual type of mathematics that we call music, I can put these ideas in your head and take you to a a far-off desert world that's crawling with giant worms and all kinds of other (laughs) colourful sci-fi nonsense.
0: So... How did you approach composing the music for doing the musical? Obviously, you said it's based on this children's um, thought process from the book, but there's so much to the book. Where did you begin with composing the music?
1: So to begin with, like I said, um, it started off with with this idea of, of children's books and and the, the the idea of of parody and making it kind of fun and accessible. It all started as a joke, but. The character that uh, the in in the show that the narrator of the show that that I perform as um, is called Gurney Halleck, and Gurney Halleck in the book is a singer songwriter. So straight off the bat, there's my favourite character. Even on the first reading, I have an instant affinity to that character. He's, he has a an in, he plays an instrument called a ballaset. Now, there's no such thing as a ballaset in real life, but uh, my later research would turn up that the closest thing that we'd have to a ballaset is actually what would be called a baroque guitar. Now, a baroque guitar, without getting into too many of the details, it's not a million miles off. Um, a normal guitar maybe a a few tweaks here and there but one of the big differences is that uh, they're very hard to come by and quite expensive Um, (laughs) my budget is much more humble than that and unfortunately the the luthiers on the on the tops of the italian mountains who make these these custom instruments um, didn't get much trade off of me but what we have is a, a character who throughout the book Um, is presented as, well, one, quite a playful character. In the most recent adaptation, he's played by Josh Brolin. In the 80s film, he was played by Patrick Stewart. He's always uh, presented as quite a stern, stoic character um military force. Now he is a soldier as well, but in the book he's a man of terrific humor. Um, he is very like he's whimsical and naughty. He knows lots of cheeky songs and limericks, and they keep him around because he can sing. Um, not only is he good with a sword, uh, not only is a very is he a very trustworthy individual, but one of the things I, I recognized about him that was in this futuristic world of People with incredible abilities and immense power. One of the most valuable characters is the guy who can sing. It's the guy who just picks up this weird little instrument and starts you know, singing little songs for people. And it occurred to me that, I mean, again, taking from the text, um, as well as writing kid songs, there's a, a reference to a collection of songs that he wrote called, uh, it's called Tone Poems for Sad Times. Now, I mentioned the Sad Song Club earlier. Again. There's that that connection, that affinity. Here we have a man who balances tragedy and comedy. Someone who is, uh, you know, he has one foot in the the sort of the caring, uh, lovable uncle character role, but also he's a soldier with a tragic backstory. So, of course, he's going to write fun songs for the kids, but what does he write for himself? What stories does he have to tell? Um, As a songwriter with like you know, I've been, I've been writing songs since I was a kid um it's always really interesting to find new ways of approaching work new ways of 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 thinking about music and so for me in terms of like uh, uh, composing for June I just kind of had to let the songs come and they came in a very unusual order so the first song I wrote is the third song uh, the next song I wrote is the last song. The next song I wrote after that was like number seven or eight. And then it just kind of piece by piece started to come together. Um, In total, I wrote probably about 25 songs, 24, 25 thereabouts. Um, some of them I didn't fully finish. Uh, there's at least five of them that are i they 're among my favorite songs i 've ever written but they're they 're not in the show because they don 't contribute to the the narrative. Uh, one of the challenges that I set myself was that the the show has to be an hour. Um, i don 't want to, i don 't want people sitting there you know it's, it's, i don 't I don't have the same amount of uh, flexibility as denis Villeneuve we don 't have three hours <laughs> um, to, to, to rattle through this it 's going to be we 'll do it in one hour we 'll do it at the festival The most obtuse idea possible. Um, Because of that, the songs tend to be very direct, Uh, they're all very much grounded in the universe. I I use lots of different uh, musical motifs. That uh, are 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 intended to communicate very specific ideas about the, the the part of the story or or the the broader world that we're in, um, and moreover they are quite short songs. So there's a couple of songs that are about a minute long. I think the longest song in the show is three minutes or thereabouts, and that was actually a really big part of uh, of the of the writing process when I when I felt comfortable that I had all the songs, the songs came first. Like I wrote the, 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 the music before I wrote any of the, the storytelling um, elements. Um, when I, I, when I had my songs lined up, I then timed them. I, I perform. I played them with a, a stopwatch and timed them so I could then work out how much time I had left to work with for, for speech and how many words per minute I would need to average <laughs> to, to, to get the, the whole thing to work. Um, it was quite a I mean not a a strict mathematical uh, process but I guess it it was it was very different like one of the things that's really interesting with creativity as much as we we think about um, being free and loose with our creativity uh, I think that when we impose restrictions on ourselves that ironically gives us more uh, more freedom more impetus to operate so yeah, I mean it was a really good experience. I think the 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 like the, the songs that I've written I'm I'm really proud of and I'm in the process of recording them now because I would really like to be able to you know have a, an original you know have an original soundtrack by a, by a cassette or a CD <laughs> <laughs> uh with my character's songs on it. Um yeah, really exciting.
0: What were some of the key themes that you wanted to explore in the musical because as you say this is a massive book. With lots of different stories happening. So how do you kind of go how do we condense this three hour movie into a one hour stage performance and hear the key themes? Like that's that's a massive task.
1: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't easy. I think my my what I what I did was focus mostly on the character. Um like I say, like with the, the, the universe of Dune being so big, I mean we have like themes of political power and religious control. We have um like I said, multiple factions all vying for control of vital natural resources and uh there there there's romance and intrigue and mystery and and uh, it, the, the book itself has a, a very important place Um, culturally particularly with the psychedelic community it was released in the 60s and there's all kinds of like interior internal monologues and um, inner world thinking that that goes on in the in in the show or in the book rather that I I try to bring into the show but because like I, I decided early on that the only way that I could make this work was for gurney to tell the story so it's it's not uh when, when it's when we call it, i call it dune the musical but there's no chorus line there's you know there's it's not a panto it's a it's a story told by one character and it's his pers- per his perspective and his perspective is very different he doesn't really get too involved in the politics and the, the power struggles of the world. He has his own set of experiences and uh, I trust that he's very comfortable with the decisions that, he, that he, he's made in his life and where he is and he, he recognises his role within all of this. Um, in terms of the themes that I wanted to, to kind of focus on, um, I, I really, yeah, again, try and keep it personal. Um, there are themes that come up in the show about loss, uh, about trauma, um, the 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 character has a dark side. There there is a very like as much as like the first few songs, the, the opening act, if you will, um, is very playful, like the character himself, very playful. But there is just this undercurrent of sadness. There's something not right. Um, that's a really big part. But one of the other things I really wanted to focus on um, was the concept of dreams. Um, because this is one of the things that comes up in the in the book, in the movies, is uh, the, the the protagonist Paul Atreides, um, the little boy, the, little he- the hero of our story, um, is uh, he's troubled with dreams, dreams of the future, and um, like I, to begin with, I, I play this for laughs, like you know, he's we, we, dreaming about the future and all oh, he's got girls in his dreams. Now it's getting serious um but actually Paul's dreams of the future are terrifying um on the one hand yeah he, he meets the girl of his dreams um but also he sees a universe on fire he sees uh, armies marching across barren planets torching everything in their in their in their wake um in his name um so this idea of you know what you want and what you get aren't necessarily the same thing that perhaps even the idea of be careful what you wish for um, one of my favourite phrases that I like to think about, you know, meditate on, is is the idea that the, the genie will always give you what you wish for, but he won't necessarily give you what you want. Um, the Dune itself is is quite a subversive novel, um, and so there are moments of subversion. There are lots of twists and turns within my performance in Dune the musical, where the mood will. Change from again playful and funny to being very very serious um, and back again, um, and it's this idea that you know you, you can't quite predict what's going to happen. You just have to settle in and enjoy the experience.
0: The show was at the French Festival. Um, tell me about your experience of the Fringe, because oh. I think for me, I love talking about the Fringe because it's one of the hardest gigs you'll ever do in the world. Uh, it needs to make a profit. But for small shows, it's perfect to get audience feedback before you decide what you do with the performance going forward. So tell me, how did it do at the Fringe?
1: Oh, it was great. I had a great time. So, I mean, I've like I said, I've lived in Edinburgh for like maybe 18 years now. And um, I've got lots of friends in theatre, um, comedians, music. I've, I've performed at lots of Fringe-adjacent um events over the years this year like June the musical was my first show where i it was like a proper actual factual show um i did it through the peter buckley hill free fringe um which is i guess it was one of the kind of more diy uh airing on punk uh productions uh, or, or organizations um and i was able to i've got a couple of friends in town who own a, a coffee shop and they've got a little space through the back of their coffee shop where we were able to squeeze i think it was about 50 chairs we started off with about 35 or 40 but because we were getting really good numbers we had to go get more chairs so uh it was it was a very sweaty month um i think like edinburgh during august is is, is i mean like, you'll be aware like it's an incredible um atmosphere you've got hundreds of thousands maybe millions of people descend on the city all at once all crammed into these tiny little spaces um i was very like i said very fortunate to have friends in the city who were able to accommodate um i made lots of new friends as well it's a great place you you get to network with people and uh share your art learn about other people's uh experiences and and and, and, and products it it was really good like overall like i had i had a great time i, I did the show uh like six times a week so it was every, every day with a day off now and then um and broadly speaking the the audiences loved it it was it was really really good i was really really pleased with it i think like in part because of the the the, the the free publicity from the recent hollywood adaptation and in part because like i mentioned earlier that dune inspires fanatic loyalty uh, there are people who um like you know they, they, they it's the you know the first thing they'll look for is there anything dune related at this festival if uh, it, it has a, a voracious fan base um even after the the original author of the book passed on um hit, the the author's son took over the franchise and has since published dozens of books which from a critical standpoint probably aren't that great compared to the original but they sell um so i uh, i'm very very fortunate in that i didn't have to do too much work to promote the show um I had set up the social media and uh made contacts in various online communities so you know i, I got to meet people who had uh, at, at, in in real life who I, I had only just met uh online previously um but broadly i mean it was just it was a, a absolutely amazing experience um like i i was i've been able to i was able to pay my rent with it which was was really good and i think being being as it was through the free fringe um there's a lot less uh kind of official stuff that you have to go through um i'm not sure if i'm quite ready for the world of of professional (laughs) or maybe they're not ready for me that's a a question for another day
0: (laughs) one of the things that i wanted to ask you was obviously there is a cult following to dunn um what were their reactions? The audience reactions once they've seen the show.
1: So oh, I love this. So there's two two things in particular that stand out. So one there's the reaction during the show, and then there's the reaction afterwards. So the starting with the the reaction during. Um, one of the really key components of the performance is eye contact, um, and in the opening, in in the intro to the first song. Um, one of the things I do very deliberately is try and make eye contact with everybody in the room at least once during those opening bars of music, just to try and right. We need to start this. I need to keep your attention for the hour, um, and I need to keep an eye on who's really paying attention. Um, and you, know, you, you try and spot who are the people in the room. Who are the like the hardcore fans? Who are the casuals? Who are, who who's just been dragged along by their partner <laughs> or by a friend? Um, and that that was really satisfying. Like because I you know, you write these things in isolation for the most part. Like you don't necessarily get an awful lot of feedback from people. Um, and then you and then suddenly you're having to do it in a in a in a small room, um, and you can see the whites of their eyes. And it's fantastic. I mean, again, like like I said, uh, there's moments in the show that I would describe. You know, these, these twists and turns, and getting to watch people react in real time, um, not just laughing at jokes. Like there are a few jokes in the show that, um, like, there's there's one in particular. I won't, can't give it away because it would be it would be sacrilege to, to to let that one slip. But the biggest joke in the show you will only get. If you have read multiple books in the June series, it's such a niche joke that, like, you, like not everybody gets it. And depending on who's in the room, like, if if the audience is mostly newcomers to the series, that joke doesn't land. It does It's not funny. It becomes a very serious moment. But if there's enough, like, sort of you know, fans of the series who've have read on past the first book, that joke is a standout moment, and it's like one of my one of my one of my favorite moments in it. One of the things, again, to gauging people's reaction during the show um, is watching how they, when, when do they pick up on the fact that I know where this story goes. So one of the reasons Dune is famous and has that, that, that prominent cult following is that it has a really subversive ending. And I like throughout the show, there are little sort of teasers that, I, that I, I try and like hint to the audience that I don't know that i that maybe i'm going to give you a nice like a nice sort of friendly fuzzy happy ever after ending and it's all going to be fine and watching people realize that oh no no we're sticking to the book this is going to this is going to be uh this this is going to you don't know how i'm going to do it but i've giving people these little clues and just watching people go from a kind of a a kind of a passive state of observing the play to servants of starting to lean forward and smirk with the expectation of what's coming um after the shows like people were absolutely delighted um i gave away so many posters like i got a bunch of posters printed for the show i ended up in the first week i had to order more posters because people wanted to keep them as souvenirs um, I got loads of like, phone numbers, email addresses from people who want to set up um, a, a performance in their town or whatever. One of my favourite little stories was, uh, <laughs> so there's a guy, uh, I'll, I'll name check him now so he knows I'm thinking about him, Keith, Keith from Essex, um, who I think might be my biggest fan. And he showed up and he thought, oh, that was brilliant, really, really good, I've always loved doing, that was a wonderful show, Fantastic. Is it okay if I bring my family along? You know, I've got a daughter; she's like ten. Um, you know, if I know, that there's some moments in the show where the language gets a little bit coarse. Um, but you know, if you're okay with it, I think she would love it. I was like, well, you're the parents; you know, it's on your head. Um, and so he came back again a couple of days later with his his wife and his daughter, and they loved it and it was great. And then after I was like, okay, so just to let you know, I'm up. Here with a school group from Essex Who are doing a show round the corner And uh, I've told all the boys about it They're really interested Would you mind if they came? So what we ended up doing Was uh, doing a second performance in the evening For this school group um, so we had like a you know, a room was maybe twenty or thirty teenagers who some of whom were interested, some of who were like you know, at, at the beginning weren't you know, they were just kinda like, yeah, okay, whatever. Afterwards they were apparently all raving about it for days and about a dozen of them went to WH Smith and bought the book, which I I think is probably the best compliment that I can get. And I I think it's one of the things I really want people to do is, is go read the book have that experience like the films are good most people are familiar with Dune because of the maybe the 1984 movie and of course the more recent film um, the, there's also a sci-fi channel adaptation uh, from the, the early noughties which I thoroughly recommend uh, it does a really good job of telling the story albeit with relatively low uh production values it's very it's very quite reminiscent of of kind of like like early doctor who um it's not not the most in uh, technologically advanced show but in terms of story they get it across um but the book itself that 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 is the, the core of the experience there's so much uh so much work that has gone into the book, and it, it, like like I said earlier, it's an intimidating read. It, it it deliberately puts you on the wrong foot multiple times, um. But it's it, it's definitely worth it. And like I said, the audience has all loved it. Um, looking
0: forward to looking forward to introducing it to more people. So one of the things I noticed um, was the reviews actually on the Fringe website. The reviews on there for this show were phenomenal. And the other thing that every show needs is a Keith. If I was you, I'd be bringing Keith to every other show that you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: absolutely! He was like one of my one of my great cheerleaders, and yeah, like the the reviews that we got, like I got on the on the Fringe website, like they're stellar. It was it was really like it was one of the most satisfying things. Um, was you know sort of getting up every day, checking the 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 the, the website to see if someone had written something new, um, and again, like t- testament to the the, the like the, the fan base. They they have accepted me as their bard. I can I can I'm I'm happy to 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 wear that mantle. Um, if anyone wants, if you're listening to the podcast right now and you want to read the reviews, uh, if you go to dunethemusical.com, dot uh, com, that'll take you to my link tree. There's a link there. It'll take you through, and you can kind of scroll through them. Um, they're were, they're were very very generous uh, in what they said about me, um, and I'm I'm eternally grateful for the opportunity they gave.
0: Talking about that generosity for those who are thinking about going to this year's Fringe or taking a show to any Fringe across the world. What are your top tips for performing?
1: Uh, So one is uh, stay hydrated. (laughs) Very, very important. You're going to be tired. I think like, so, um, I, 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 as a personal, I don't drink, so I I don't drink, I don't get hung over, I don't feel that, that there's not that same, like, I think with, like, in years gone by, um, like you know, like the fringe becomes a bit of a party. Certainly for the first week, there's lots of people who overdo it, and, and they can end up making themselves feel unwell. Um, and you're not doing yourself any favors. You're not doing your audience any favors. So I mean, stay hydrated and, and plan ahead. Um, like you don't have to go out and party every night. You can actually just just do your show and go home. Uh, one of the really important things, like as well, is, is to go see other shows. Like you have your show and it's your baby, and by all means, you know that that is your 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 focus—that's what you want to really push. But also go see other shows, see other comedians, other performances. Even if it's something that's like completely um, estranged from from what you're you're making. Uh, I made a couple of friends this year. Um, uh, there a duo called The Ritual, um, and they're vampires, and they do an improvised vampire show where you've got like the the, the master and the servant who you know, and they just it's hilarious. It's one of the one of the funniest things I've ever. I've now been to see them twice, um, and it's all because you know at the fr- you never know what you're going to get at these fringe type things. and It's always worth taking a punt on something. There's another show I saw this year as well. Who uh, was a stage musician, a very reluctant stage musician. That was part of his, his character. But he wanted to be a rock star, and he had a guitar. And uh, it was it was great. The, the things that you see at the fringe are, um, or at any like I said, at any of the fringe festivals, you see things that you're never going to see again. And it might be terrible, but you'll get some great stories out of it. Even from like, <laughs> even from like shows that like might not have been as good as you thought it was the experience itself is enough um, in terms of performance again like being organized like you know don't don't put your but also don't put yourself under too much pressure um, and obviously there's there's financial implications with, with going away to these things um, even you know you you want to make a profit but the, the reality is that most artists who go to fringe festivals don't make a profit and you might just have to like you know it's a bitter pill to swallow but try and enjoy yourself that's the, the most important thing
0: so tell me what is next for doing the musical
1: so next we do doing the musical i've got a performance booked on the 9th of december so i'm going back to my friend's coffee shop um it's just off the royal mile um tickets are available you can go to doingthemusical.com for that link um and i'll be doing that on saturday 9th of december after that uh we take christmas new year off and then i've got a tour planned for uh 2024 so starting at the end of february um heading through towards march uh, i've got a number of dates booked a couple in scotland uh, a few in england um a couple of dates in Northern Ireland as well. Um, so again, if if you if you are in Newcastle, Liverpool, Manchester, Essex, London, Belfast, Dundee, or Glasgow, um, there'll be opportunities there to see it uh, next year uh, in August, as well as the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, there's also a really big uh, important event taking place in Glasgow, which is. It's called Worldcon, so it's the World Sci-Fi Convention. It's the biggest sci-fi convention in the world, as the name suggests, Um, and it's in Glasgow. Uh, So I'm in touch with one of the organisers. and they're very interested in in having me perform uh, at that at that festival. This is all of course part of my uh my long term plan of of getting to perform with james McAvoy so I feel i need to I need to get this ambition out here i need to, I need to put it out there on their airwaves. so hopefully maybe, maybe James will hear this and we can work together um, earlier, I mentioned how the the sci fi channel made did an adaptation of dune in the early '90s, And a young James McAvoy played one of the roles in this.
0: Now, That's the one I saw.
1: Yeah, is that the one you shot? Excellent. Yeah. Right, so you, you'll be familiar. So James McAvoy shows up in it. Now, that particular production does the first three books of the series, but they didn't do the fourth. Now, the fourth one is the fan favourite. The fourth one is the culmination of all of this stuff, and it's absolutely deranged. It the, 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 the story jumps three and a half thousand years into the future, by which point James McAvoy's character has uh, morphed into a giant worm-man hybrid creature, and basically the book is like, 700 pages of of just insane monologues none of it makes sense and it's absolutely beautiful um so people have always asked me like so what's your next show what are you going to do next you know you're going to do the the, the, the doing messiah and I'm like nah, no, 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 we're going to skip past books two and three and we're just going to get to the good stuff we're going to go to god <laughs> emperor if james mcavoy will that's that's my condition that's the red line um james mcavoy if you're listening mr mcavoy i would love for you to to reprieve your role as leto the second um and we can uh, we can work on this we make the make this show a reality
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is an obvious question but i need to ask it are you going to see doing the film when it comes out later on this year
1: Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, like, I, I've I've already seen the first, like, so the 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 Denis Villeneuve version. I've already watched it two or three times. Um, I think the 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 most recent film. They've done a really good job of 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 sort of capturing the sort of seriousness and the grandeur um, of the Dune worlds. They've they've done a really good job of 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 bringing it into the twenty first century. I think that the, the nineteen eighty four film. Lots of people have like that. That's where they're. That's what they know of doing that's their their was their first introduction to it um and it's a David Lynch film and about halfway through the film, it becomes more David Lynch than Frank herbert um I feel that with the the newer film like the the they've managed well there there's always going to be changes made to any uh, novel adaptation but they've managed to stick to the the kind of core ideas of the film and of course knowing knowing where the story goes I'm really really interested to see what happens uh for anyone listening who isn't maybe isn't aware uh, the more recent Villeneuve adaptation is taking the first book and splitting it in two. So I mean, not that I want to brag, but it's gonna take him six hours. I'm doing it in one. I can <laughs> if you if you if you want to get the ending to the story, just come to see doing the musical, you'll save you'll save a fortune.
0: Listen, it's been lovely chatting to you. Please, okay. please come back and talk to me again when you're touring next year. But also If you manage to meet up with Keith, that's a podcast episode on its own. I would love to talk to you and Keith. So if you are on tour and you bump into Keith again, that's one. And hopefully we can catch up at the event in Glasgow.
1: Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me, Barry.
0: Thank you very much. I really appreciate it.